This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by UCAN. Go to generationucan.com slash on the run to save 25% off your first UCAN order or 15% off for returning customers. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. I was super honored when UCAN asked me to host a conversation with five running industry leaders and experts called The Next Step Forward, The Future of Running. It's about how we get back on our feet and on the run in a post-pandemic world, and you'll hear some really eye-opening insights about what's happening now in the running community and where we go from here. Here's your starting lineup. Dave McGilvery, Boston Marathon race director, who joined us to record this the day after it was announced that the 2020 Boston Marathon was officially canceled. We've got Greg McMillan, renowned running coach, professional runner Sarah Sellers, Howie Kaflesky, agent to the stars, and Steph Blosey, owner of Fleet Feet West Hartford. Big thanks to UCAN for bringing this group together. My UCAN discount code is always available for you to use for your fueling and hydrating needs. Go to generationucan.com slash on the run. First time UCAN buyers, you will get 25% off and returning UCAN fans, you'll get 15% off. All right, let's talk about the future of running. Hey everyone. I'm Allie Feller. I'm the host of the Allie on the Run Show podcast, and I'm the host of the conversation that you are about to hear as part of UCAN's Global Running Day Summit. But first, I wanted to pop in here and speak on behalf of myself, UCAN, and our five amazing, brilliant, wonderful panelists. You're going to love them. But I wanted to acknowledge our decision to hold off on releasing this conversation because we know that Global Running Day was last week. But we also know that there is a much more pressing, urgent, and important conversation happening in our country right now. A conversation around racism, white privilege, police brutality, and that conversation demands our fullest, most dedicated attention. And every one of us here is committed to that, to standing against racism and being actively anti-racist. Today, we do wanna share that conversation with you. This conversation was recorded back on May 29th, feels like a lifetime ago, and it's about moving forward in the running industry in this very unprecedented pandemic era. We talk about how running has changed because of COVID-19 and how each of these panelists plans to adapt and innovate in a post-pandemic world. We hope you enjoy and we thank you for being a part of this running community and for joining us in playing our parts to make this world a better, safer, stronger, more equal place. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. I, I'm so happy to see all of your faces. And for everyone who's watching and listening, hi, everyone out there. Uh, this is live shows in 2020. It looks a little different, but I know I speak on behalf of myself and of UCAN when I say we are thrilled to have you here for the next step forward the future of running. We have an amazing panel here today and our plan, our goal, our mission with this conversation is to, as the title kind of gives away, to keep moving forward. We all know these past few months have been hard, heavy, confusing, and filled with a lot of uncertainty both on the run and far beyond that. And there's still a lot of that. We all feel it, especially the uncertainty part. I know I feel it every day, but 
among the challenges, there have been new opportunities. People in the running community have been forced to get creative, and they are, and we're moving forward. We are, I promise. Today, we are going to view the future of running through the lenses of a race director, a coach, a professional runner, an athlete agent, and a retailer. I am Allie Feller. I'm the host of the Allie on the Run Show podcast. I am going to be your host here today. I am happy and grateful to be here, and I know that we are all so grateful for you, Can, for bringing this group to get for bringing this group together. We have a lot to talk about. I'm already doing way too much talking. Let's all get to know each other. I'm going to introduce everyone sitting in front of me. Dave, we'll start with you. Dave McGilvery is the race director of the Boston Marathon. He is a philanthropist, a motivational speaker, an accomplished athlete himself. Dave, my favorite fun fact about you is that every year after the Boston Marathon is run, you're like, this day hasn't been long enough. I want to do more. Heads to Hopkinton and runs the marathon himself. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Greg, give everyone a little wave. Greg McMillan is a renowned running coach and exercise scientist. And Greg, I don't know which is longer about you, your list of professional certifications or your list of, of personal running accomplishments. So we could be here all day just listing those out. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We will have Sarah Sellers is going to join us in a little bit. She's on our way. Sarah is a professional runner and nurse anesthetist. She's also the person who told me how to say the word anesthetist, which is helpful. Sarah burst onto the scene in 2018 when she finished second at the Boston Marathon. And anyone who hears the words 2018 and Boston Marathon in one sentence immediately knows the year of the rain. So Sarah finished second in what was her second marathon at the time. She'll be with us in a bit. Howie Kaflesky. Say hi to everyone, Howie. Howie is the founder and president of Howie Management. He represents many of the top athletes in track and field, including Alexi Pappas, Nikki Hiltz, some guy named Meb. I don't know. I heard he's like super high maintenance to manage. Howie, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Allie. And Steph Blosey, say hi to everyone. Steph is the owner of Fleet Feet West Hartford, one of the leading run specialty stores in the country. She's a lifelong runner. And fun fact, former meteorologist. I love yes. that about you. <laughs> if you need a weather prediction, just, just ask. <laughs> I love it. Thank you all so much for being here. Like I said, I've already talked way too much. What I want to know from each of you to kick this off, you're all so deeply ingrained in the running industry professionally, but you're all also runners yourselves. So in what we keep saying, times like these, what role is running playing in each of your lives right now? Dave, why don't we start with you? Well, thanks, Ellie. Um, well, I'm, I'm on both sides of the fence, obviously, um, as a runner myself, um, not a lot has actually changed in the sense of um, very fortunate to be able to get out there every day and still do what I love to do. Whereas in other sports, um, unfortunately, they're not, not able to do that. So as much as this pandemic has really hit our sport hard, at least individually, and the reasons why I would like to think the majority of us do run is just for the pure sake of our passion for the sport, the health and the fitness benefits, uh, the feeling good about yourself benefits, and that truly hasn't gone away. On the race management side, eh, it's a different story. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to look for sympathy or empathy, but unfortunately, um, for small businesses like mine, whose main job is to do exactly what this pandemic 
and 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 it, it flies right in the face of it. You know, we try to get a lot of a lot of people, as many people together as possible in the smallest amount of space, <laughs> have them breathe all over each other and sweat all the, over each other, and um, and and you know, fire a gun and they run down the street and they continue to do the same thing, and that's what we're told we can't do anymore, at least for the foreseeable future. So that pretty much has wiped out my entire schedule for the year. I had 35 events planned for this year. And you heard about the cancellation of Boston yesterday and our BAA 5K. So that was hanging on uh, by the skin of our teeth. And now that has gone over the cliff. Um, And I think that most of the events after that are pretty much going to follow in the same suit. So, so now it's a matter of how do we pivot? You know, how do we be imaginative? Um, how do we, you know, continue to have a pulse? And, and that's what I'm in the middle of trying to figure out right now. Yeah, no, no big deal. Just some small questions to figure out right now. <laughs> Greg, what about for you? What role is running playing in your life personally right now? Well, I would say similar to Dave. I mean, for me, I'm a runner, so I've been lucky to just continue to get out. I've had to modify some of the places that I choose to run or want to run just based on where you should go or and shouldn't go. But luckily, still able to get out every day and get my run in, which, as we all know, you know, it just provides that mental stress release, that time kind of to work through all the issues so you can kind of come back to your real life and uh, and work through it better. So, uh, kind of the same, just um, still getting out the door and, and trying to uh, enjoy what I can. Um, luckily, I'm still able to do it. I know some people around the world are not able to. Are any of you in places where you have to be running with masks in the places you're choosing to run right now? Not me. Not a requirement, but I do see a lot of people wearing them. Yeah. You know? if, if we get within six feet of somebody, if you're passing, you have to wear a mask. Okay. So yeah, we it, all run with one, take it off as soon as we can, <laughs> and then, yeah, up, down. Yeah. Uh, so, well, Steph, tell us what role is running playing in your life right now? Yeah, like everybody else, running is uh, my outlet for sanity. Um, I'm also really big into CrossFit, so I've been running a lot and have a little CrossFit gym in my basement. Um, and actually did some mile repeats the other day and had my fastest mile time in two years. So I was pretty excited about that. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's been good for getting a little extra training in, I think. I love that. Congrats too. Thanks. That's awesome. Not bad for an old lady. <laughs> All right, Howie, how's life on the run? Yeah. You know, Ali and everyone, I'm actually more of a walker than a runner. So I, I want to be a runner so bad because I'm around runners. I work with so many amazing runners and I was a runner in high school, uh, made the cross country team barely, but I really have this, you know, push and pull relationship with running. I want to run. I want to be a part of this community that I am a member of and a participant, but I just, I'm lacking the discipline. I'm lacking the routine to be a consistent runner. So right now I'm walking on a regular basis but I'm really trying to see, I, I thought about doing the a mile a day in May and I chickened out. So I didn't fully commit. And then global running day is around the corner. So maybe I'm like, maybe that's a day. I'll definitely run a mile that day or walk a mile. But so I know a lot of people think because I'm around runners and I work with runners that I'm, you know, a marathoner myself, but I haven't done a marathon. I've done 5Ks, 10Ks. 
I'm sure I'll do a half marathon eventually and the same thing with the marathon, but I'm a work in progress. And I think I might be a good case study because I know in our communities, we're seeing more and more runners or walkers in our communities. And can we help, you know, get those people to be more consistent, right? If they are new to the sport, can we get them um, to stick to the sport more consistently? So I'm trying to do that for myself and hopefully we can do that for our communities. Howie, we know the real reason is you just want to make Meb look good. You don't want to outshine him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had that excuse until he retired. I said, when you retire, I'll pick it up so I don't embarrass you. But now that he's retired for about two or three years, <laughs> nothing. Well, I appreciate you all sharing that. And, you know, I, I know that when this all started, I was kind of like, we're the lucky ones. We still have our sport. Dave, like you were saying, we don't have our races and we don't have the things that we love so much and that motivate us so much. But we do still get to have our passion and our sort of lifeline. And I know that I'm super grateful for that, that they haven't, you know, we haven't lost that. So uh, Dave, I am going to come back to you. Like you said, this week was a, a big one in terms of news. I think we were all sort of waiting with bated breath with the word Boston on our minds. Like you said, you announced that the Boston Marathon will not be held as an in-person event in September. It'll be a virtual event. Can you enlighten us a little bit? Because look, anyone who goes on social media knows that not everyone understands what goes into this process and what it means to cancel a race and everything that's a part of making what we know is a really hard decision. So what can you tell us about coming to the point of making the announcement that, that you made this week? Yeah, it's a delicate balance between um, not making that decision so soon that if things were to change, then you're kicking yourself that we prematurely made a decision. And now people are saying, geez, if they didn't decide that so early, we could have had it. But on the flip side, making it so late that it's creating significant hardship and inconvenience to people, whether they're traveling in from all over the world or whether it's all the training that they've invested. And then all of a sudden the plug gets pulled on them. So um, when you make that decision as is as critical as the decision in and of itself. Um, so in, in March, when the decision was made to postpone, that was a tough one too, because you have to think about the consequences of postponement. Um, you know, it's it probably easier and quicker just to pull the plug and cancel and then have everyone just settle in and say, it's gone. See you in 2021. Fold your tent and we'll see you then. Versus postponement brings with it a lot of agita, um, a lot of, um, you know, complications in terms of what, what does that mean? How are they going to pull this off? What's the world going to look like, you know, four months from now, five months from now? Um, with that whole concept of physical and social distancing still prevalent, how do you do that with a 30,000 person race? I mean, do you really think you're going to, you know, put people every six feet apart from each other and on the starting line? And I mean, the lineup would be 35 miles long. Um, you know, it would take a week and a half for everyone to cross the starting line. It's just all crazy thoughts, you know, from the, from, from where I live. Um, how do you social distance on a bus? You know, if, if you normally can fit 50 people and now you can only fit 15, 
and you've got to transport all 30,000 people from the finish to the start. I mean, typically we use 750 buses. We would need over 2,200 buses to do that, which would take us, you know, all day to transport everyone out. Anyways, as you can see, when we postponed it, of course, logistically and operationally, we're trying to figure out how are we going to do this? Um, But we were working on that. But then as you get closer and closer and closer, the reality of all of this starts hitting you in the face. We have 1,800 medical personnel that work this event. I mean, they're still in the in the hospitals. We still have a pandemic going on around here. How are you going to recruit all of them? How are you going to ask all the hospitals for all their support? You got to remember, September is, people say, oh, they postponed it to the fall. It's not the fall. It's still the summer. I did a 20-year historical look back on September 14th in Boston, and the average temperature was in the 70 to 75 range, and the highs were close to 90. So now you have the concept of heat combined with this pandemic, combined with, may I add, that we still have the highest level of enhanced security of any major marathon in the world. And you put all that together and you say, hmm, can this truly happen? But we held on to that four letter word that all of us need to hold on to, and that is hope. We're hopeful that something will change, things will change enough that we can pull this thing off. But we got to this point where we just said, you know, it's not fair to keep people, you know, hopeful and training hard for something that, you know, is, is a remote possibility. And then the city of Boston obviously felt the same way and made the decision yesterday. Well, so many of us support you and applaud you. And I don't know a single runner who has said that's the wrong decision. And I know that people feel a lot of emotion around it. But I also know that with that emotion is a lot of support for you and for the BAA for making what we all know is the right call. What is something that you want runners to know and understand about canceling a race? And I ask that because... You mentioned earlier that you are a small business. And when people think of the BAA, of New York Roadrunners, of Atlanta Track Club, most don't think small business, they think big race. And so it's interesting to keep in mind that some of these are nonprofits and many of them are small organizations that can pull off huge events. What is something that you really want people to understand about canceling races in what we keep saying are just really unprecedented times? Yeah, well, there is a distinction between me, who I am, and the BAA. I'm a consultant, I'm not an employee. The BAA has a full-time staff of like 30 people. I'm DMSE Sports, so i been putting on events for 40 years, over 1,300 events, everything from helping with the Olympic Games, U.S. Olympic trials, Goodwill Games, World Championships, National Championships, representing athletes, and the list goes on and on and on. So this is what I do on a regular basis. And so as a small business in that regard of only 10 people, when this pandemic comes along and all these events are canceled, we're out of a job. I mean, that's really what it means. So now it's a matter of How do you pivot? And so, you know, a lot of races are going to virtual, and that's what Boston decided to do. Um, Again, there are way more people than just me that make these decisions. I'm just one voice um, in the overall equation. And I think that the BAA basically felt that, you know, people still are training for the Boston Marathon. They want 
they want something. And so they're offering this virtual. And I think it's going to be the, the, the most incredible virtual of any virtual that's ever existed because they're just going to make this overly special for all the runners because this race is the holy grail. It's where, you know, it's the bucket list for everyone. They earn the right to get here either by working really hard to qualify or raising a lot of money for a lot of different charities like the Med Foundation. And, um, and all of a sudden now this is being pulled away. Well, we got to substitute it with something that's very, very special. And that's what the BAA <clears throat> excuse me, is working on right now. All right. So now that we kind of understand a bit more about what's happening on the race director side, Greg, I want to come to you. I want to know where are athletes' heads at right now? What are you hearing from the athletes that you coach, from runners that you are friends with? What are the, uh, what are the subject lines of the emails that you're getting these days? Well, they're a little easier now than they were back in March and April, I can tell you that. At that time, it was, it was high stress. I think there was a, it was a lot of unknowns, and people had no expectation if things were going to be canceled. It kind of came really fast, right? And so that was where people were very concerned the races were also very, you know, they were about to happen. We were a month or so away from Boston. We were a month or so away from London. So these are big events. We were very close to them. So people were really kind of stressed out with that. We kind of, it, it was actually very helpful once all the races got canceled because as a coach, then I could say, okay, great. We don't have to worry about that. Let's refocus on what we can do now to get ready for the fall. And I think with Boston, since I coach a lot of athletes that run Boston, uh, it, was, it wasn't a surprise. I think it's, everybody kind of knew that there was a high likelihood it was going to happen. So I'm not getting the sense. I mean, obviously, you get a sense of disappointment because, as Dave said, it is a bucket list. And for many athletes, it's their dream to qualify. And they did, and they want to run it. But I feel like there wasn't, there's not quite as much anxiety or stress around it. It was kind of like, well, I thought that might happen. Now what? So a lot of what I'm doing is just kind of helping athletes refocus and change what their training might be. It's really, and there are a lot of silver linings, right? It's giving athletes time to get healthy. It's giving them time to do some training that maybe they weren't able to do before. It's giving them time to work on some things that maybe they needed to work on to be a better athlete or a better runner that now they have the time to do. So I think, um, you know, most people, we're runners, right? We, we go with the flow. That's one of the things that we learn is we have to endure. We have to go with what life throws at us. So I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. So I guess mostly disappointment, but I wouldn't say it in a negative way, just more of a that's too bad kind of way. But with the rise of so many virtual races and solo time trials and that, I think people are getting on board that I can still get a lot out of the sport like I did before. I can't maybe meet with my group and maybe I can't go to a big race and these kinds of things, but I can still train. I can still challenge myself. I can still have these goals and I can stay motivated. Uh, and with a lot of people working at home now, they've got a little bit more time to do their mobility work or maybe some core. So I'm seeing a lot of athletes well, kind of like was mentioned, you're running great and maybe you're finding some new levels of fitness. So overall, it's been sort of stressful, but I think now we're, we're in an understanding that we have to be flexible. The one thing that I'm seeing a lot of in my circle of, of runner friends is I have two camps of friends right now. There's the 
I'm so unmotivated. My race was canceled and now I have no motivation. I can't get out the door. And then I have my friends who are still running 16 to 20 miles every Saturday. They're doing every virtual race. They're running like a lot. For each of those camps of people, from your professional perspective, what do you say to each of them? What do they need to know? Well, the latter is what luckily a lot of us are. Certainly people trying to qualify for Boston. We're typically runners, right? We still get out. We're going to do that. As long as it's safe to do, we're able to get out and do our training. And we kind of have that internal motivation. That's what drives us to get out. Um, that's what drives us to get in our basement gym and then go run our personal best for miles. That's what drives us. It does for me as well. So I think that is a core group of runners just will continue to get out and train. And that's awesome. Now you're just switching your goals, right? So you're just changing from, I was going to do 26.2 miles on September 14th. And now I'm not going to do that in Hopkinton. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to start there. So they're making adjustments. For the former, I think that's more of a challenge of trying to identify something that is tangible as a motivator. So yes, the race is not there, but what can help you stay focused? Because if you ask them, they want to stay fit. They want to continue to train. They want to have all the benefits of running. So a lot of what I'm trying to do is tease out what might be something that's internally motivating them. And maybe we can focus on that. Maybe we can use some other goals or some other challenges uh, that will keep them engaged with their running, even though they don't feel the pressure of, I've got to get my long run in because I have a marathon. We can still refocus towards some other goals. And like you've mentioned in the beginning, there's lots of really great ideas that people are coming up with to be challenged, you know, to find that sort of external challenge that they need if they lack a little bit of that internal motivation. Howie, what are you telling your athletes? You've got an impressive roster of athletes, I assume all of whom had races on their calendars, and that's their livelihood. That's how they make a living is by showing up to races. How are you advising them right now, and what have you done, and what have your athletes done to, like Greg said, to get creative right now? Yeah, so our athletes, um, they usually love structure like most athletes, and they like to work backwards, uh, whether it's from the Olympic trials for track and field or a fall marathon, for example, or spring marathon and work backwards. And the sense of uncertainty is really difficult for these very motivated, driven athletes. And so probably the most common question I get on a regular basis from our clients is, do you know anything about, have you heard any updates about races and opportunities? And I have been honest with our athletes to say, Hey, you know, like it doesn't look good, right? Obviously anything can happen, but just be prepared, right? Because sometimes when you're not uh, mentally prepared for the possibility of a cancellation of a big race that you've been training for, or that you've been anticipating for a long time, that hurts hard and it's always going to hurt. But I think sometimes it's good to prepare mentally for the possibility. And so when it does happen, like the Boston marathon being canceled yesterday, it just made it just a little bit easier to take just because we knew it was, um, you know, it was under the circumstances was um, maybe unlikely to happen. Uh, it would be a miracle for it to happen. So I've been just having a lot of conversations and for some athletes, it's a good time to take a break because these athletes are so driven and they push themselves so hard to get ready for that race. And I've told them, you know, everybody needs something different at this time and can use the, the time and the opportunity differently. And for some athletes, they were just pushing their bodies, even though they were injured or they were um, burnt out. And I just said, hey, this is 
could be uh, take advantage of the opportunity to take a break. And I think that's something that a lot of elite athletes don't have an opportunity to do. So been just trying to manage. And then there's some athletes like some of your group of friends, Ali, that are so driven and they're healthy and they just want to push the limits and prepare just in case things turn around and there are opportunities to race. And I think there might be some track opportunities in the near future, small track meets that just give athletes a chance to um, maybe show their fitness. Um, so it's been the whole spectrum. Different athletes are diff- dealing with things differently, but um, the main thing is we're concerned about people, people being healthy. And also in terms of like with some of their big goals and races being wiped out of the schedule, just making sure mentally they're okay. So we have just making myself available and our team available to have any conversation with people that are struggling with those challenges. And sometimes it's hard to reach out, but we're trying to make ourselves as available as possible. Sometimes having somebody to talk to about that and those um, challenges and the, the disappointments just makes things a little bit easier to deal with. So um, that's just open communication. I think communication and over communicating is something I've learned with Dave over the years. And I'm trying to do that with our clients over communicate and make ourselves available so we can um, help with anything possible. And a lot of times we don't have the answers, but at least we can find out what the questions are and try to work within our network to find some answers as soon as possible. So you're Howie Kaflesky agent slash therapist at this point. <laughs> I, I, you know, for some athletes, I am, you know, I wear that hat proudly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when your athletes are reaching out and they're like, Howie, do you know anything about the Boston Marathon? Are you like, all right, let me go check runnersworld.com or are you texting this guy over here? Like, all right, man, like my athletes are asking what can you I know nothing. Yeah. The way I look at it is I always say, this is my opinion. Based on the circumstances, I don't know. And I don't have any insider information, but this is my opinion. And then the athletes, they're wise, they're smart, and they can make an informed decision because they're reading Runner's World. They're reading all the different media outlets. So they have that angle covered. And then I just add my two cents so that they can make an informed decision. Um, and as much as I want them to compete, if, if it doesn't look likely, you know, it's, I say take, you know, if you need a, a week off, I'm not their coach, but talk to your coach and maybe your coach will agree. And, but somebody has to initiate that conversation about taking a break. And I think it's the athlete that has to take that initiative. All right, Dave, I want to know. And then Steph, I promise we're coming to you. (laughs) Dave, as we're talking about races coming back, like Howie just mentioned, there might be some track meets in the near future in some form. When we think about races coming back, and I have to imagine that you've been part of many conversations about what racing would look like. You mentioned earlier how many buses we would need. Are there any measures that have come up in conversation that you can see having and sticking around in 2021 in a world where we can say, hey, COVID's gone. Life is a new normal. Are there things that make you say, hey, this would be a good idea, like, you know, reserving your own personal porta potty at the start where you don't have to share it with people. I don't, that's where my head went, but (laughs) I guess that's not an option, but are there things that have come up in conversation that as we're looking to the future, you could see sticking around for the long haul? Well, I was, I was on the phone with the race director of the flying pig marathon just a little bit ago, Iris. And, um, no, she, I was talking to her, she was asking me about the Boston situation and, and, you know, how we came to that decision and whatnot. And um, they're struggling 
in Cincinnati, we're trying to decide, do they go ahead? They postponed it similar to us to October. And they're struggling with whether or not they should continue to plan or whether they should cancel. And But the circumstances there are very different than the circumstances in Boston. Boston, we bring in about 10,000 international runners. Boston, you know, our hospitals are still full of folks with the virus and the list goes on and on and on. So everyone has to look at their own individual circumstances and make intelligent decisions and informed decisions based on what they're dealing with. And, you know, it's interesting, even as I speak about that, you know, and how we would know this really well, that, you know, in other professional sports, you might have an organization that leads the charge. And I'm not saying that USATNF or other organizations don't, but, you know, it just seems like in road racing, it's still a little bit fragmented and we're all sort of left a little bit alone to make our own decisions on how things go. And that's good and that's bad. It's good in that, you know, all our races are very different. I mean, even though the world marathon majors are the world marathon majors, things that go on in New York are very different than things that are going on in Boston are very different than things that go on in London. And and so just because we make the call to cancel doesn't mean necessarily that Chicago is going to fall or London's going to necessarily fall. We have our reasons for making our decisions. Going forward, <clears throat> you know, the only thing that's certain anymore is that everything's uncertain. And, and so it's tough to sort of, it's tough to make plans and do things. Um, I know I can only talk from personal um, perspective that I, um, <clears throat> I, I'm not looking forward to managing races where I have to be their coronavirus cop and I have to look around and say, oh, you got your mask on? Oh, you don't have your mask on? Wipe down every door handle of every portage on or keep people away from each other. And part of me says that until and unless this comes back the way it once was, as recently as the LA Marathon, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a tough, I'm struggling with, uh, you know, doing all this, as they call it, new normal stuff. I call it new abnormal stuff. I, it's, there's nothing normal about it to me. I don't know why they keep calling everything the new normal. It's the new abnormal. Um, but maybe that's, that's it. That's all we got to work with. So, and there are races that right now are happening that are on the schedule. There's a Spartan race in Jacksonville, Florida. There's a race in Zion National Park that's going to happen at midnight. There's there's a race in Jackson Hole, Wyoming that's supposedly still happening, but either they're on golf courses that where they can spread things out or they only have 200, 300, 400 people. I don't know when races like Chicago, Boston, New York, whatever, um, you know, I have the Falmouth Road Race and New Balance Falmouth Road Race in Falmouth or the TD Beach to Beacon Race, Joni's Race in Maine. I mean, these are 8,000, 10,000, 13,000 person races. When are they going to, in a situation where they come back and be what they have been it it may i don't want to be debbie downer but it it may take a a year or two you know and that's that that's tough to swallow right now and um you know i'm hopeful that that's not the case but i'm i'm not so i you know i don't want to be so naive to think that oh we'll be back we'll be back in in april next year i no one knows I think this can all be so summed up in no one knows. You're so right. Sarah, thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you here.
Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be part of it. All right. So we'll we'll briefly catch you up, which is that we're we're talking about the future and how we move forward. And you probably just heard Dave saying that it might be a while before races come back. As a professional runner who, in addition to being a nurse anesthetist, this is what you do. You're a runner. You run races. How does that feel to hear that it might be a while? How are you coping with this emotionally? Yeah, I think, I mean, I was incredibly fortunate because um, my peak race was the Olympic trials, which, you know, was probably one of the last big events to happen before everything shut down. So I feel just extremely fortunate that, um, that I was able to get my peak race, um, at least for the season and really for the year that I was able to do that. Um, but for the majority of other runners who had other peak races, you know, Olympic trials on the track or NCAA championships or um, conference championships, high school, state, um, that's devastating. Like if it, if this had happened to the Olympic trials, um, I would have been devastated. Like I made a lot of life plans around it. And, um, you know, I had two years of planning based on the, the trials. And so, I mean, in, in a personal sense, like I feel, um, like I said, really blessed that I was able to do my peak race, but, um, really I just feel for everyone who, um, has been training for years for events and seasons that are canceled and that, who knows, um, just like Dave said, who knows when they're going to come back. Um, so really, I feel like I don't have a place to complain. I mean, I was going to do a fall marathon and, um, you know, depending on if or when things start happening again, that might still happen. But um, I'm just glad that I was able to, you know, do kind of what I wanted to do for the, um, the big event for the year. And you ran a PR at that one. Yeah, one second. Oh, one second. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that counts, and we applaud that. Congratulations, and we Thank love you. cheering for you out there. All right, Steph, I'm going to read you a quote oh. from one Katie at UCAN. We were talking earlier this week, and she said, we were just talking about the future and about retail specifically and how retail is a really tough place to be right now. And she said, oh, my God, you need to talk to Steph at Fleet Feet West Hartford because she has, and this is the quote, crushed it during lockdown so let's hear more about that and let's find out is that a quote you agree with have you crushed it and what has this looked like we of course know that as soon as this all started retail was the one of the first things to shut down you're open again now so can you kind of walk us through how you pivoted how you crushed it and what you're up to now well crushing it is in the same context of as you reach older age and you're happy with like a seven minute mile like we call that crushing it there was covid crushing it which was um 20 30 percent of our standard revenue if we hit that for the day like we did happy dances in the store um our store was closed but we were doing curbside fitting we actually put a carpet and chairs outside and in snow and ice and wind and rain, we were helping people get shoes. Um, because like you said, um, and if anybody's been outside, it is, the world's inundated with runners and walkers right now. And it's pretty cool. Like, I would say there's three camps of people. There's the people that are super gung-ho. Like a lot of my young male staffers were doing 100, 130 mile weeks again. Um, they loved having the extra time to run. So I feel like there's going to be a ton of people PRing. There's a few people that lack the motivation. And so they're not doing it. But my favorite group is this group of people that had never run or walked very much before. And 
they've now found the time and the motivation to do it. And I really can't wait for races to come back because these people have been running and finding joy in it in just the running. But imagine when they get to run with a community of people, how amazing that's going to be. Um, but those people are getting injured. They're needing advice. Um, they're wearing really not so great running shoes. Some of them, I mean, literally there was a lady that came in um, to our curb. Her shoes were 15 years old and there was no tread left on the bottom. There are holes all over the top and we fit her into a new pair of shoes. And like every week she sent me a note like, oh my God, my feet feel so amazing. Um, so like things like that. I think the customers that did come to us, whether they were calling us for um, a phone order or shopping online or shopping on our curb, they were super grateful that we were open. And it was like, you really felt like you impacted everybody who came to get shoes. Um, and like I said, it was nowhere close to what we should have been doing. You know, March and April is pretty much our busiest season of the year. Um, here in Connecticut, we call it like mud season and people come out of hibernation from the winter and they start to exercise again. So we lost um, a big chunk of customers. Um, that said, what was really cool is we opened our doors last Wednesday and everybody seemed like they came back. Um, and it was almost like we picked up where we left off and you know we've got restrictions in the store we can only have 50 percent of our typical customer base in the store um, we've been asking people to try to make their visits a little bit faster at the store limiting everyone to a half an hour and we're still able to um, meet last year's numbers which is really cool um, but my favorite statistic is that the number of new customers is outpacing our returning customers. So um, there is, I think our running community has just gotten bigger. And, you know, yesterday it was a really sad day when uh, Dave and his crew sent the email out about Boston being canceled. Um, and it lit up our Facebook page, like, what are you going to do? Um, right now in Connecticut, we can have groups of five people socially running together. Um, so we're starting a bunch of unvirtual socially responsible uh, races. So virtual editions of races that we're sending people out, groups of four every 10 minutes, um, we're switching directions. So one group runs one way, one runs the other, just so that they're all running the same course and they can you know, wave high and just be a part of that running community because I think that's what people missed. Like, yeah, it was eight weeks, nine weeks of quarantining and almost running by yourself. People you know, are ready to start seeing other people. And, you know, I feel honored to be a retailer and, and being a, a community hub where we can get people together and keep them excited. And um, we're excited to see what Dave and his crew come up with for the virtual run. We've got some ideas on ways to bring Boston to Connecticut. Um, the running community is gonna survive. I think we've been thriving and it's only gonna get better in the next year. We're, we're a pretty resilient bunch. We are resilient. That is for sure. All right, Greg, as you're hearing that and you're hearing there's this huge percentage of new runners, new people coming to running, we've all been there where we go for that first run and we're like, that was impossible, but awesome. And then we run more and more and more. And there's that word more. Again, I'm like putting my friends on blast, but I have this friend who started running during this and I was like, 
go slow, take it easy, don't do too much. And she was like, yeah, but yesterday I ran two miles and today I ran nine and tomorrow I think I'm going to run 10. And bam, shin splints, like she's sidelined, totally sidelined. She bought an elliptigo. So she's now living her best life in a new way. But as you're hearing about these new runners and we're so excited to welcome people to this community, what do you want or need any new runners listening or watching to know about getting started? Well, you have to be more patient than you wish you were, right? That's the lesson that we all learned is we do too much too soon, too frequently. And one of the things, uh, as was mentioned, you know, we always really push new runners, go to your local running store. That's where you're going to get that, not only the education, but you'll get the community. And that's where you're going to learn all the things that the runners have already learned so you won't make their same mistakes. But we're just constantly warning new runners that, you have to take it slower. You have to progress much slower than it feels like you should. We teach a lot this lag between the cardiovascular system, which adapts very quickly to running, even the mental system, right? Like you said, those first few runs are very tough because the brain is just sending all these fatigue messages. But soon they start to feel better and better, right? You go around the block and you're like, wow, I didn't hurt as much as I did before. And that leads you to want to do more and more. And you get fitter, so you want to go faster. But that musculoskeletal system just takes a little bit longer. It's kind of lagging behind. So really, we have to wait for it to grow stronger. And it will grow stronger, but it just takes a little bit longer than we wish that it would, right? That's why we want to run a little bit more. We want to go from two miles to nine miles because <laughs> what we feel, it feels great. You have the mental sensation, cardiovascular, you can tolerate it, but that musculoskeletal system won't handle it. And luckily, you know, when, when the running stores are open, people can go in and say, oh, I'm, I have a little ache or I have a pain or I'm tight here. And that's where they get that education. Left to their own devices, they will do what most all of us did. And that is get excited, fall in love with the sport, run farther and faster and farther and faster. And then, and of course, then ignore any ache or pain, ignore it again, ignore it again. And then finally, you know, you have to cry uncle that you have an injury. So we're just trying to really caution people to take it much slower, to see it as a long-term solution for what they want. They're able to get outside, they're able to get fit, they're able to have that mental de-stress uh, kind of period. And really they just have to advance much, much slower than they normally, than they would like to do. And that's what I'm glad that so many of the specialty running stores are so community focused that they're spreading that information. They're welcoming everybody in, but then sending out that information about, let's take it a little bit easy. Don't advance too fast. Think about next week, right? Let's stack these weeks on top of each other. We can get more and more people doing that. Um, they, they will avoid injury because we know they're going to fall in love with the sport. We know they're going to become lifelong runners. We just got to uh, stop that interruption in their progress. All right. Well, I love the idea of wrapping this up with a bit of advice from each of you. So if we can go around as we're looking forward and, and we are, we're looking forward. We don't really know what we're looking at, but we are looking forward. What is something that you all want runners right now to keep in mind, to focus on, to be thinking about as they're getting out there for their daily runs? Sarah, let's start with you. Oh man, I'm always the one that makes the waiter come back to me at a restaurant, um, but I won't make you come back. Um, I would say, I mean, I think what Greg said is really good. I need to hear that too, even though I've been running for years. Um, uh, but as far as 
just staying motivated. I think on the one hand, cut yourself some slack. Like this isn't the time that you need to be mentally fatiguing yourself. Um, if you have an off day or an off week, um, you're just not like feeling it. That's okay. Um, and I've had, I've done that for myself and I've actually had a lot better workouts. And I think I've had more motivation because of that, because I think sometimes when, you know, I was, um, I was hoping to do Boston this fall and when, um, and I kind of thought that the cancellation or the change to the virtual race was coming or, you know, something like that. It wasn't a surprise, but still, um, having, like I talked about that peak, um, or a big event canceled that can kind of, um, be a drag on your motivation and be okay with that and kind of acknowledge it. And I think once you just accept that it's going to be a little bit tough, suddenly you feel more free to just enjoy it and not be like, um, really mentally straining yourself to get out there. All right, Steph, what about you? Ladies first, right? Always. <laughs> um, I would say that this is pretty much what we runners train for. You know, you think about a marathon, you're going to have the highs and the lows, and we're in a pretty low situation right now. Their monkey might be on our back. There might be a brick wall in front of us, but we know that there is a finish line, and we know that running will come back. Maybe it's not 2021, but 2022, you know, running will be right back to where it was and you know you just got to kind of hang in there and and make it through and you know i always <laughs> like to say do something a little bit different like this is a time to switch it up i've got a couple road runner friends that have switched to trail running um i've added more core mobility and strength work into my workouts and it keeps things fresh and fun and you know it's it's better to start I like to say this is like secret training right now because nobody really sees how you're doing. So, you know, come the time that we do get to get out there and, and toe the line and, and race, um, all those little things that we did in secret and we got good at is going to pay off and we're going to have some pretty phenomenal races and just super sweet times when we get back together as a, as a running community. I just can't wait for that. That's the optimism that I love. I'm, I'm holding on to that too myself. Howie, what do you got? Yeah, what I'd like to say is just that let's all remember we're an interconnected community, running community. We all here represent different parts of the running community and we're all impacted differently. And it's just important, um, obviously, that elite athletes are missing out on racing opportunities and but there's other ways that they can contribute and be part of the running community and they can support retailers and events and coaches and so just to really like we're all interconnected so we're a domino we can either get stronger together or we can fall apart you know uh together also and so sponsorship has been a played a big role for the athletes that can't compete and earn prize money so i just probably athletes appreciate sponsorship more than ever now because even though they don't have the upside of bonuses and prize money from races, at least they have some level of support to help pay the bills uh, during these difficult times. So let's really um, help one another. And uh, I think that's always been part of the running community. That's what these amazing events do. They bring runners from all over the world and all different levels of runners um, to accomplish their goals uh, on a given day. But I think even though, the running community is a little bit different than what we're used to. There's different ways that we can help each other out. So let's collaborate even more than before. Dave, what can you add to that? Well, I, I think just the 
we all have to come to the realization of how fortunate enough we are to have our health and to be able to do what we do. Um, for me, a couple of years ago, I did that seven marathon, seven days, seven continents world marathon challenge. And when I got home from that, um, I felt some discomfort in my chest. Long story short, I ended up having to have open heart triple bypass surgery. And I remember turning to the heart surgeon before the surgery and I said, hey, <clears throat> it was six months before Boston. And I said, hey, um, just this little, little jog-a-thon in Boston that I've done a few times, 46 times. And um, what do you think? And he, 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 he gave me the best answer possible. He, he didn't say, yes, I think you can do it. Or no, I don't think you can do it. He said, I'd be extremely disappointed if you couldn't. And that gave me that four letter word, hope, you know, which is what we all need and what we all need <clears throat> right now. And, um, you know, for the first time in my life, I realized that just because you're fit doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy. Um, and I always thought it did. Um, so it just created, you know, an awareness for me, um, you know, that, that um, we all have to take care of ourselves. And um, again, we're fortunate. And I was able to, you know, get out there and slug through um, Boston in the rain, you know, like Sarah did, <laughs> um, you know, and finished. Yeah, it was, they had a, they had a timey with a calendar. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't finish till close to midnight, but I did it. And it just put it all in perspective for me that I'm just lucky to be around and be alive and be able to still do this. And I think, that's what we need to be thinking about right now and not be full of self-pity that I can't run in races, but just be grateful that you're still able to get out there and, and do this kind of thing. I love that. All right, Greg, you gave us so much good advice leading into this last question. Give us one core movement or exercise we should all do today and every day to make us stronger runners? <laughs> well, first get out the door, right? I mean, running and walking is the closest thing we have to a panacea for so many of our ills. And so I think this is a perfect time for people. To, and a lot of people have a little extra time, right? Commutes are gone. They're at home more. Keep getting out the door. I really think lacing up the shoes and getting out the door is is kind of the main exercise everybody should be doing because it makes so much of your life much, much better. That's my main one is lace them up, get out the door, come back, and you'll feel better. All right, Howie, you hear that? We're coming for you next month. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much, Steph, Dave, Sarah, Greg, and Howie. This has been wonderful. I know that I personally feel filled with hope right now, and I appreciate all of you being so honest as we look forward to what the next uh, days, weeks, months, and years are going to look like. Thank you for being such strong voices and people in our community. We're all super grateful for you. And of course, big thanks to you, Can, for making this happen and bringing us all together. Thanks, Sally. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. Thank you to you, Can, for making it happen. And of course, thank you to Steph, Sarah, Howie, Dave, and Greg for sharing so much with us. But you, you are the reason that we all do what we do. Thank you for making the running community what it is today. And thank you for showing up for yourselves and for each other in everything that you do. 
It's an emotional time. I know we all feel that. So just keep showing up for each other, okay? I'm Allie on the Run One on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on the Allie on the Run Facebook page. I'm in the Allie on the Run Show Best Running Friends Facebook group. And I'm on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash Allie on the Run. And as always, I am here for you. Remember, you can go to generationyoucan.com slash on the run to save on your next you can order. That's generationyoucan.com slash on the run. Keep showing up. And thanks for joining me on the run.